1: Ever heard the expression what a load of gobbledygook or perhaps stop talking gobbledygook. Where on earth did this strange sounding word come from and what does it mean? It's time to return to word foolery where we discuss the origin of words, and the lady that has done the research and discovered the story behind these words is author Grace Tierney. She is back for more Wednesday word foolery. How we doing, Grace? Hi Sinead, it's lovely to talk to you. Listen, Happy New Year because we haven't spoken to you since the start of 2021. It's great to have you back. Um, maybe we should start with gobbledygook um, because I've been talking this all morning really. <laughs> doesn't it just mean talking a load of nonsense?
0: Well, no it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. It doesn't really mean what we think it means at all and it's a really peculiar word. So when I'm researching words I often end up in all these cul-de-facts and tangents and it's great fun and I enjoy it. But... In the end, you often end up with a theory that you can't 100% prove. Gobbledygook is amazing. We know exactly who invented it, exactly when it was first used, exactly what he meant, and exactly where he got the word from. So it's one of these ones where you know the history down to the last dot or the last G in this case. So gobbledygook isn't talking rubbish, or my interpretation of it is somebody goes, la-la-la-la-la, blah 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 bla, bla. that's probably yes. right? No, it's not that at all. <laughs> so what it means is the over-involved pompous talk of officialdom, right? So basically, it's a protest over the nonsense that you'd see in written memos or political documents or just over-elaborate talk. So it's not necessarily talking rubbish. It's just you don't want to listen to it anymore,
1: Ah, um, is it kind of like, just enemies. get to the point? Is it those people who use flowery language? Just come on, get to the point. That kind of thing, no?
0: <laughs> yeah, I might be guilty of that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Listen, I love, I, mean. I love a bit of flowery language myself. Don't knock it. Yeah, this. well, it has its place, but I can understand the frustration that drove this poor man to inventing it. So it was invented by a, uh, a Texan who was also a politician, but he's a guy called Murray Maverick. And he lived in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And he wrote it in a memo on the 30th of March, 1944. So in the middle of the war, I guess. He was the chair of the Small War Plants Corporation, which presumably made, I don't know, ammo or something like that for the war. And he wrote in the memo that he wanted to ban gobbledygook language. And he also threatened to shoot anyone with who used the words activation or implementation. Oh, God. So he had <laughs> been driven, demented by all this gobbledygook that basically endlessly long-winded ways of saying things that like, you know, just cut the nonsense, get to the point, tell me what you need done and we'll get it done. So it was a straight talk and text, and he was having no more it.
1: Wow. And then, do we know then how we started using it? Because you do hear this used a lot.
0: I think it just caught on. Yeah. It's such a fun-sounding word and everybody put their own slight been on the interpretation of what it meant but nobody wants you to talk gobbledygook it's a way of getting you to just stop and certainly that would be the way I would use it of like I oh, would well, you just stop the gobbledygook now just yeah. tell me yeah. um, Yeah, but he later explained, because of course people were intrigued by it, that he invented the word in imitation of the noises that a turkey makes.
1: Uh, I knew there had to be a turkey reference in here somewhere. Okay, (laughs) Yeah, it
0: had to be a turkey, really, didn't it? But Murray is actually a really interesting guy anyway. He had quite an interesting life, but he has a strange claim to fame because there's very few people that we can trace back and go, that person put that word in the dictionary. Mm. But in his family, his grandfather did the same thing, but in a different way. So his grandfather was also, as it turned out, a politician. He was also a Texan and he had an amazing life. He lived earlier in the 1800s and he was a bit of a firebrand. He was a politician, he was a rancher and he was a gold miner. So he had quite an unusual life. And he gave us the word Maverick because his surname is Maverick. So he, the grandfather is Samuel Augustus Maverick, which is a heck of a name. And he was very much a nonconformist. But he only became a cattle rancher when he won a herd of cattle uh, in payment for a death. Now, in my mind, that must have been a gambling death, but yes. I have no idea if it was or not. But he didn't have any interest in being a cattle herder and he didn't brand all of his newborn calves as they were born. And then unbranded cattle in the area became known as Mavericks because everybody knew that if they weren't branded, oh, they belonged to Mr. Maverick. But uh, there's a bit of debate about why he wasn't branding the cows. There was an implication that he was trying to steal extra calves from his neighbouring ranchers. So he may have been a bit of a naughty one in that regard. But uh, he lived an absolutely amazing life and he managed to avoid death three times, which I thought was
1: astounding.
0: Once early on in his career, he was coming back from doing his gold mining and his boat capsized and he lost all his documentation to prove that he had his claim. Then on another occasion, he left a camping trip early and after he left, the entire group was murdered. And finally, he was on the losing side at the Battle of the Alamo, was quite a famous battle in Texas and, and Mexico wars. And, but he had left just before everybody was wiped out. He'd gone to seek reinforcements and missed the final battle.
1: Wow. Very interesting. (laughs) Who was to know that all of this lovely information was behind the word gobbledygook? Love it. Now, you know, we're all at home at the moment and I think most of us at this stage would just love to sleep away January and just wake up when life returns to normal. And in this vein, you've discovered some topical words for us. The first is hibernacle.
0: Yeah. Uh, hibernacle, um, which is kind of an odd one to pronounce, but it it looks a bit like tabernacle, but hibernating instead of of tabernacle. Um, Yeah, I I have one of these, I confess, um, primarily because when I found the word, I went, oh, I want this. I really want this. Um, So a hibernacle is a place where an animal hibernates. Okay, but it can also mean a winter retu- a winter retreat for humans as well. So it's not just for animals, and it goes back to Latin, as a lot of words do. So there was an original form of it, which was a hibernaculum, uh, which meant the winter quarters or tents for winter. Now, obviously, animals don't usually live in tents, so clearly the origin of it was with shelter for humans and probably shelter for soldiers. So Roman soldiers typically down around the Mediterranean, wouldn't have necessarily needed a huge amount of shelter. But in the winter, they would have, because it does snow initially. And uh, this was their winter shelter, their winter quarters. So when things got bad, you would stop having your army wouldn't really be battling during the winter. And you'd go back to your hibernical, shelter down, hunker down, get cosy and don't do anything for a few months, which, to be honest. I kind of agree with that idea. I kind of
1: agree with this idea as well. That sounds just glorious. <laughs>
0: it really yeah, does. So if you don't have a hibernacle, I suggest you go and get a nice blanket, maybe some chocolate, a good book, whatever suits for yourself, glass of wine, and set one up this evening and just cosy up. And if anybody tries to interrupt you, it's like, no, I'm in my hibernacle. Yes. I can't be moving
1: now. <laughs> I love that one. I love that one. Uh, now, I'm hoping pronouncing this one right. Uh, I've never heard of this. This is Oosh Care, is it?
0: Yes, it's oot care and I realise it's not spelled like that at all. <laughs> it's got a whole <laughs> load of extra letters in it, but that is how you say it. It each ooch-care. Um, and this is a really old word, and I think it's kind of cool that it's an old word, because sometimes old words give you this little insight into social history of what happened hundreds or thousands of years ago and go, oh my God, they were just like us. Because although it's not a word that's used very much in modern English, it is something that still happens. So Oot-care comes from two words joined together. The first one is oot, which means the hour before sunrise, mm-hmm. quite early, and one I'm trying to avoid because I'm in my hibernical. but it yeah. does exist. <laughs> and care, which is spelt slightly differently, but does mean care or worry. And the idea of having cares is to have worries, okay? which we do still use in modern English. The two joined together is to be worrying in the hour before sunrise. And the idea is if you wake up what feels like in the middle of the night, but it's maybe an hour before dawn and you just can't get to sleep again because you're worried about stuff. It's that feeling, which isn't a happy feeling, but it is one that I think a lot of people do have now and then.
1: Oh, no. and definitely now, definitely now. You know, people have been talking an awful lot about not being able to sleep at all and definitely roaming the halls in the early hours and that kind of thing. So we can put a
0: name on it now. Oot yeah. Care. Oot Care. Care. But I like the fact that the second part of it is care because the reality is the reason you're worrying at that time of the morning is because you care. So in a yeah. way, Oot Care is a form of loving.
1: Ah, okay, that's a good way of looking at it, yeah. Now, listen, pr- forgive me on this next one now because no clue do I have on how to pronounce this one. Dormavigilia, is it? I'll, I'll let you out with that one. Okay, okay, it was my best <laughs> <I'm> not,
0: attempt. <laughs> well, this in fairness isn't an English word, but I, I do kind of think that we need to adopt it because I don't think, or I certainly haven't found, and I'm open to correction, I haven't found an English word for this and I think we need to borrow this one. I would say a not do- Dorm is vaglia, I Vaglia, think.
1: okay, because it's Italian, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 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 it's that would Italian. make sense.
0: It's definitely dormy anyway. That's definitely correct for, for the first part. And dorm is anything to do with sleeping, okay? So in this case, it's the space of time between sleeping and actually fully waking up, okay? So if you wake, for example, at the weekend before an alarm clock goes off or before a young child comes into you, and maybe that never happens for you, but it, it happens sometimes in your life, and you just wake and nobody's got any demands on you. You're cosy, you're comfy, you're stretched out and maybe you're just trying to get back the end of a good dream and you're just content to lie there and think about, what will I do today? Oh, this is lovely. That's Dorma No,
1: Now, I've never experienced that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor thing! It sounds amazing. Day- I really want to experience this. Yeah. <laughs> That is fantastic. Now, there's another thing that you've uh, come across uh, this month as well hand selling. What's this all about now?
0: Or hand selling. Hand Hand selling. I know it has a D in it, but the D is slightly different. Hand selling. Okay, so it's It's nothing to do with selling hands. (laughs) No, it's not selling hands. It's definitely not. Although it is related to hands, funnily enough. Okay. Um, So you've never heard of hand selling at all? No. Okay, interesting. I bet some of your listeners have, okay, because I put a bit of a call out on this one late last year to do a bit of research on it. And I thought I was the only person who did this. Uh, it's a it's quite an old custom and it's still observed in my family and I had mentioned it in passing to somebody and said, I don't think anybody does it and all of a sudden there was a flood of people from all over the world, which is Twitter great for that, came back to me and went, Oh yeah, I still do this. Oh yeah, I do that as well. Oh yeah, we totally do that. So maybe this is one you can pick up. Okay. Um, so Hansling is the tradition of if you buy a new purse or wallet or handbag, something that would traditionally contain money of some form. You shouldn't use it until somebody else has put a coin inside it. Ah, yes. Good luck. Yes, no, I have had this before. All right, like say if a
1: grandparent or, you know, somebody gives you uh, a new a new wallet and they pop a few bob in it. I have experienced that. I just never knew the term. Absolutely. I'm sure there's people out there that have experienced this. Do you do this, by the way? Do you still uh, practice this custom? Let us know on 086 1800 658. I love that. That's really nice.
0: Yeah, so that's what it's called. It's hansling. And my mum always did it with me. And I now do it with, well, particularly with my daughter. And my son's kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever, mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my daughter likes the idea. She's like, well, free money, it's all good. Um, but yeah, and it turns out that it's quite an elaborate custom. And it probably goes back to the Vikings because it comes wow. from Saxon and Danish words. And it originally meant to deliver into the hand. So it was a way of handing something over. But there's a whole custom around it and it relates to January, which is why I thought I'd talk about Hanselling today. So the first Monday in January is traditionally called Old Hansel Monday. And it was on that day from around the 1800s, so this one doesn't go as far as far back, was when you would give a small tip or a small gift to your servants or to your postman or your bin man or whatever. Now, in more recent times, people might be more familiar with the custom of Boxing Day, which of course here is St. Stephen's Day, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, where you might give a, a, a literally a tip into a box. The servants would go around and collect in a box then break it open and have a good time. But Old Hansel Monday actually goes before that. And that was when you were giving your little tip to people. But, uh, but the handling of the bags is the bit that has uh, gone on, and when I started looking into it, it turns out it's, it's all over the world, primarily in English-speaking countries, and a lot of the time it's been—it seems to have been passed by Irish immigrants bringing the customer out with them, and then it's adopted around the place.
1: Oh, I love that! That's really, really interesting. Uh, people, too, if you if you do this practice, let me let us know. Oh eight six one eight hundred six five eight. Grace as always. Thank you for some fantastic word foolery. You're very welcome. Thanks we'll for talk to you next month. Bye, bye, bye. Grace Tierney there. She's the author of Words the Sea Gave Us and also How to Get Your Name in the Dictionary and other great books. You can find her blog and follow her on wordfoolery.wordpress.com.